0: Hello and welcome back to Project 99. It is October 15th, 2021. Sorry, it's been like three weeks since we've been in.
1: <laughs> I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> You're the sickliest bastards. Like we have so much problems going on. Like,
0: Listen, I feel like I have an excellent immune system and I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older that it's getting worse. I keep joking that I've oh, been... Stop it. I've been How getting old are you now? 26. I've been sober for eight months, and I feel like since I've gotten sober, I've been more sick than I've ever been before, and I'm like, either the alcohol was killing all of the germs in my body, or I also, right around, I got sober in January of 2021, and I had COVID in December of 2020, so I'm like, it's either I had COVID, my immune system went to shit, or
1: it's sobriety. Or you were so drunk you didn't notice that you were fucking sick. True enough, that could you be been too. Like I mean, dying and you're like, but I'm drunk. So you drunk fuck? all the time. You're throwing up. You don't even know it's yeah. From- right. Could have been the flu all that fucking time. You wouldn't have known. <laughs> yeah, for real. I don't know what happened, but you're yeah. Like, oh, why do I have a headache and I have fatigue? Oh yeah, cause it's dying. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a good point. But yeah, so I've been off sick for a, a few weeks. Um, in our lovely American healthcare system, I sat in the ER for nine hours. Um, there was also some lady in the ER ranting about how Biden was trying to steal her social security check and that COVID wasn't real. Meanwhile, oh, we are Jesus. sitting in a hospital that has no beds because of, COVID. because of COVID. Oh my god! The nurse that I talked to when I was there, um, she was like all apologetic that I was waiting so long or whatever, because uh, when I was brought into the hospital, I was like in and out of consciousness. I was in so much pain. Um, so she was like all apologetic. And I'm like, listen, it's not your fault. Like, I don't blame you at all. Like, I, I tried it. It's really hard when you're in pain and you're freaking out to not take it out on other people. But I was really conscious to not, because you know what I mean. They have a hard enough job as is. So, but she was really nice. But she told me that all of her other patients that day were COVID patients except for me. Mm-hmm. I was the only one. So that was concerning. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It just it's it's real, man. People. I think if you don't interact in those in those fields, well, what's it's really easy. gonna be
1: what's really gonna be interesting though is that for. I don't know, ever, Um, Republicans have been saying that we have the best healthcare system in the world, we don't want socialized medicine, and then they give you this list of terror tactics, like talking points. Death panels. Death panels, and Uh, you're going to have to wait so months. You wait months on end to see a doctor. So now, right in the midst of their COVID denial and their reliance on ivermectin and what the fuck ever else they're using, and I'm not dissing ivermectin because I haven't read that much about it, but all I'm saying is, you guys are saying like, you don't even believe COVID is that, that bad. But at the same time, how are you going to say that you, I have to wait. I, I get an appointment to see a neurologist for the problems I've had post COVID. And it was like three months. Well, that's what I was just going to say go all the
0: way to Morgantown. They discharged me from the hospital. Um, basically with like, we can't really help you because we don't know what's wrong with you. And um, we have no
1: bed, for right? You. We,
0: we have no bed for you. So we have to send you home. All we can tell you is that, uh, it's not critical, um, but there's definitely something wrong and you should see a specialist. Here's a referral. And then so I went to my regular doctor to get an actual referral because I guess ER referrals aren't mm-hmm. um, accepted in most places. They're not real referrals. They're they're referring you, not giving you a referral. Yeah, I'm telling I you guess. go to your doctor to get a referral. So I go to my doctor and she tells me, um, yeah, that's extremely concerning. We should deal with that as soon as possible. Also, it's going to be three months before I can get you in anywhere. I mean... I mean and and it took me I had to wait a week just to see my GP um after the ER visit. So Right
1: and so like remember the days whenever they would admit you to just for observation. That was a thing. Like we're going to put you in the hospital just for observation. Like we don't know what's going on, but it's kind of serious, so we're going to keep you for observation. Like right now the healthcare field is like like, listen, the only thing we're fucking observing right now is that we're overwhelmed. So go home and FaceTime if you have an emergency. <laughs> right. I mean, for real, it was really
0: scary. It was, I feel like people who aren't dealing with it up close and personal just kind of have it in the back of their head like it's not that big of a deal. Right. Um, but I did ask that nurse out of all the patients because she said all of her patients, except for me, were COVID patients. And I said, were any of them vaccinated? And she said, no, none of them were.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I have a hard time. I mean, people keep arguing, you know, I know that WV Medicine. Who, is, who does all the hospitals and basically all of the medical care in this area in West Virginia is done by like West Virginia University now. It's all mm-hmm. WVU, most of it, the majority of it, especially in our area. Um, and they've put out different updates like, listen, here's where we're at with oxygen, like mm-hmm. here's where we're at mm-hmm. with beds, and it's all pretty bad. Um, but I know that they've said that between 90 and 95% of people that are in the hospital – are unvaccinated Mm. and um which is wild because west virginia was doing like we were like the
1: first time we were ever
0: first in anything that was good (laughs) right we went up a lot and then it just i feel like everybody who wanted the vaccine got it right in the beginning and then no one got the vaccine Mm. after that we Mm. have it super low i don't even remember what the rate is but i think it's only like 30 percent of people really i thought it was was more than 50
1: like right away it was more than 50 i think let me see but yeah i mean and as far as, you know, my big thing with the vaccine is that. 57% yeah, of
0: the population is fully vaccinated. So a little bit more than half.
1: I just wonder, like, this is my frustration is that they completely did away with antibody testing. <clears throat> and the mask and, mandates and everything. And the mask mandates. And, you know, we talked about this before. Um, you know, I have medical reasons not to get the vaccine right now but I go and get antibody tested to make sure that I have antibodies from when I did have COVID that are still somewhat protecting me and I still wear a mask everywhere um so I mean if you have a medical condition or whatever like that you're afraid to get it right now um like I completely respect that but like dude like you gotta stop going out so much and wear a mask and shit because I had COVID and I still think it's why I am messed up now like yeah I something I told my sister when I was having a really bad flare up i said I, I i'm glad that covid didn't kill me but sometimes i feel like it's just taking its time right yeah. that's how bad i feel some days and then like the last four days i felt like a human being like i felt really good but it's like a fear in the back of my mind is i never know when it's gonna come oh out. dude i know and I it's worse that. it's like when it comes back it feels worse because you've had relief from it for. well and the scariest part
0: days. about all of the covid things is that um you know i feel like doctors just haven't been dealing with it long enough to even know what to do really. Right. I mean, it seems like every day there's new conditions coming out, you know, side effects that people have like long haul COVID symptoms and, and all of that. So, I mean, it's really scary. And, um, I don't know. I know last time that I, I was in dire straits just in this past couple of weeks that I was sick again a couple of days ago and it, it was bad. I was in enough pain that I would have normally went to the ER, but it was like at that point, I already knew that even if I go there, they can't admit me. Yeah. So there's just the no best. point um so messed up it's it's terrifying it's awful but it it also makes me laugh because like I said when I was sitting there that lady in the waiting room who's a COVID denier just loudly um which I did like I said I try not to be that guy but when you're in pain it's hard to not just let your mouth fly off I did call that lady a fucking moron to her yeah. face so sorry but not sorry Um, And I also overheard her telling the nurse who came in to like because they were taking people back to get blood work while they were waiting in the waiting room, like taking them back, getting blood work and bringing them back to the waiting Uh room or whatever Um, that she was when they asked her to rate her pain. She said it was a three out of 10. And I was like, why the fuck are you in the emergency room? Like, I just couldn't. Wow. I really can't. Three out of 10 pain. Maybe she thinks one is the top of the scale. <laughs> I just, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe she bats backwards and I don't know. I just couldn't believe it. And I'm like, why does the emergency room not have some policy in place that it's like, oh, your pain's a three out of 10? Go home and follow also, up with your I would, GP. I like, would
1: probably uh, err on the side of she thought three was the low end of pain. Because how do you have enough energy to be proselytizing that COVID is made up? When, dude that's what i'm saying no i was sitting in this obviously ER, fucking, you're not in that much damn pain because when i'm in pain like i'm not oh, thinking dude. about anything political and i'm an extremely political person but when you're in pain like you're not real pain you're not thinking about any of that shit you're just thinking oh my god i hope i, I hope this doesn't last yeah. like that's all no. you're thinking
0: when i was sitting in the er like in and out of consciousness the first couple hours i was there but then when i finally like came to at that point i was just i was just fucking no not a single thought in my mind and i just couldn't believe that lady i feel like i was just in a state of shock i'm like why are you even here yeah. why are you like i'm looking around at this waiting room full of people and i'm like these people are half the problem like none of you there was like one other lady there that i was like man i hope i hope they take that lady back before me because she looks like she's about to fall over and die
1: mm-hmm. and it
0: was just a super old lady and i i don't know it always reminds me when i go to the emergency room how seriously dire streets our health care is yeah and um i went to wheeling hospital which most people will tell you they won't take their dog there mm-hmm. so that was a mistake but like i said i totally out of it when i i got taken there so yeah what a fucking wreck but um just another page in the book of america's fucking nightmare if you're listening
1: from a country that has like government funded socialized whatever you want to call it medicine just the next time you're outside just get on the ground and well don't kiss the ground because that's like (laughs) advocating germs but i'm just saying like be so thankful you live in a country where your health actually fucking matters, where you're not disposable like America.
0: Well, and I'm not ever going to tell people to not fight for better conditions because I know I've seen people bitch about the NHS specifically and like not covering s- certain conditions mm-hmm. because they're like so rare or whatever that they can't, they can't cover everything. And people talk mm-hmm. about how horrible it is. Well, what do people do that, you know, their system is broken because what people who do that, that these conditions are covered, what are they supposed to do? And I'm just like, I get what you're saying. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't advocate but imagine for that's better, everybody. but imagine that's literally everyone because that's, that's what we have here. I mean, if mm-hmm. you don't, if you can't afford health, even if you have health insurance, a lot of times mm-hmm. that was, I think that was the, that was the main thing that got me on the Bernie Sanders train was just listening to him talk one time about how most, the majority of Americans are one major medical condition away from being completely bankrupt. Right. And I thought that's true yeah that's that's absolutely and it's not true. like our,
1: our country doesn't have billions upon trillions of dollars because we're about to talk about an incident that you know when they need to be finding some money they find some money right
0: yeah so sorry for our opening rant i just i feel the need to <laughs> apologize for my absence i feel like every time i get on here and make an excuse like hey sorry <laughs> sorry i'm a piece of shit they can't keep up with my own schedule but so right. for the past couple of weeks we have been compiling um a fuck ton of information on none other than the iran contra affair
1: yeah
0: um we even did the crazy thing and we got a corkboard with string with string and pictures <laughs> um and i said that to someone which and, will
1: come in handy for many future episodes they were you-
0: like send me a picture i want to see your corkboard and i was like no <laughs> <laughs> no i'm not i didn't want to tell anybody i have it because i don't want to be like Accused of, <laughs> She's out there. Accused of being crazy. But you'll you'll understand as we go through this episode why something like that is necessary because there are a lot of people involved. Um and sometimes it's just hard to keep their names and their positions straight. So so I, I personally do better as a visual learner and when I have a face to put to a name, it's easier right. for me to remember. Right. So now when I think of names like William Casey, I think of that fucking sleazy dirt ball and I can mm-hmm. see his face in my head and mm-hmm. it just keeps it all straight for me. So yeah.
1: Like when you live through it. And another thing, too, like, you know, um, I'm 50, so the people that are involved in this were like like George Bush, for example, right? He was a VP, and then he became president. So it's like you see these same shitty-ass people, like, recycled over and over and over again. And it's like when they fill out the application for being a corrupt motherfucker— like, it's just they sh- they have this meteoric rise in politics, you know? It's like, I'll do anything. I'll cut anybody's throat. I will conceal crimes. I will steal money. Oh, okay, well, next time we'll move you from CIA director to vice president, which is what happened to Bush. And then he became president. That's why they were saying they thought Mike Pompeo was going to run for office this time if Trump didn't because he was, you know, the CIA director and... Then he got moved into the State Department. That's so. why
0: I never worry when people like, you know, like when Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz and those types of people were running for president. I'm like, they don't have enough. They don't have enough dirt. They haven't done enough.
1: Well, I don't know. I think they're just, um, they're small time racketeers, but. But yeah, not big enough to be president. And I mean, also you have to do favors. Like That's it's what not just about. about with Joe Biden too. Effort.
0: I mean, Joe Biden is like <clears throat> long term Democrat sure you know and was vp like there was right. he was absolutely in the running like what the fuck does elizabeth warren have right she didn't have any long-term connections her like her biggest that.
1: her biggest skeleton in the closet was that she was a fucking republican <laughs> up until like 1992 <laughs> yeah yeah that was it i mean at I least mean. a bitch jumped ship and became sane at some point i don't know but um yeah so they just recycle these same shitholes and like sh- ship bags and like they were all in that what do they call it the skull and bones at Yale, there's like a secret society, the Skull and Bones. You didn't know about no, this? No, I didn't fucking know about oh this. Oh my god! Don't look at me like
0: I should know. That sounds wacko. We
1: gotta cover that conspiracy theory. Yeah, the Skull and Bones is like a secret society at Yale. That's like a fraternity almost, but it's like deeper and darker. And like, you know, to get into Yale, you gotta know some people. You gotta have some connections and shit. Um, obviously George Bush wasn't a fucking brilliant student. <laughs> it's not how he got into Yale. So connections got him in there. And, um, you know, I think what they do in these secret societies is they either give you alcohol or drugs to the point that you're whacked out. um, Or they force you to do something like, you know, have sex with an animal or molest a child or something. They take pictures of you. That's your ticket in to the club so that you can't ever tell the truth again. Because if you do, we're going to tell everybody about you. That's what secret societies are. They're really, it's a way of making a pact of people that you know are not going to get the fuck out of line. If you're not in that pact, you are not going to get in a position of power because we want to know that we can control you with blackmail. That's what Secret Society is about. So George Bush, John Kerry was in it. And they've asked him on, like, television shows, interviewing him. So tell us about Scalmoth. Can't talk about that. They literally won't say anything about it. (laughs) That's fucking wild. It is. And then, you know, you hear about the, um, the Bohemian Grove, right out in California. Oh yeah, I have yeah. heard about that. Because so, didn't Alex Jones try to blow oh a lid off Jesus, of that shit? Yeah, I think he was part of it, but that might have been actually when Alex Jones got. Yeah, it was like before he was like ah, the turn the waters, turn the frogs. Right, gay. but I think maybe that's when they bought him off and and they let him come in there and do that quote expose, to bring him over to the dark side.
0: Oh yeah, we're definitely gonna
1: have to do an episode because that, that had to ramp up his viewership. You know what I'm saying? The Bohemian Grove. Yeah, you that's got the reason Inside I it. the Bohemian Grove. Like, I saw that shit when Alex Jones did it, and I was just like, what the fuck? He got inside. You know what I mean? It boosted him tremendously. And then all of a sudden, he just turns right wing. Total wacko, yeah. He I mean, not to...
0: just right wing, but like, dude is
1: fucking wacko. Oh, yeah.
0: But, but anyway. Mean,
1: anyway, so yeah. Um, so, what we wanted to do when we started researching this, and by all means, as we always say, we're not historians, we're not college professors. We just get on these things and try to learn as we learn and share it and our viewpoint on what, what we learn. So, um, the Iran-Contra affair involved two countries, which was Iran and Nicaragua. And if you go back in history, like way back, um, you know, the, the world, humanity as a, as, as a thing has been like about empire, right? So you got Roman empire, you got the the Ottoman Empire, you got the Spanish Empire, French Empire, British Empire. You got all these empires, kings, and and uh, leaders always want to build their empire. Um, and so, Afghanistan and like Iran and Iraq and all that shit was like it was Persia, and so different peoples try to come in and like conquer it and shit. But like when we switched over from empire being about how much territory and peoples you control, because that was the resource you wanted people you wanted slaves you wanted you know routes to get through to where other valuable things were but um in the 20th century it became more about resources okay so they're like wait a minute we can
0: find a way to not take care of any of these people at all right and also still get all their
1: resources right so like when alexander the great went into uh, afghanistan and you know, all these other people tried to go in there and it was like, fuck that, because like, okay, I guess I'll fucking build Hadrian's Wall here because I don't want to deal with the, the Scottish, you know, like, that's where the Roman Empire was like, they encountered the Scottish with their blue faces and they're, they were crazy, and the Romans were like, fuck it, here's Hadrian's Wall, like, fuck above that, fuck those people, <laughs> we're not <laughs> fighting them, okay? Um, and so, Afghanistan was kind of like, they call it the graveyard of empires, right? But something crazy happened in, like, 1908. Oil was discovered in Iran. So the British, who had kind of had a bad experience in Afghanistan, like, they tried to go through there on their way to their other part of the empire, which was India. There was, like, kind of a massacre that yeah, happened. Yeah, I, we, we I think we discussed that right. in our Afghanistan So the British episode. were like, yeah, fuck Afghanistan. But then, like, when oil was discovered, and now, remind you, 1908, like we're coming in industrial age, right? Oil is the defi- oil is gold. Factories are on oil, right? So, British Petroleum went BP. in BP. BP, I think it was under a different name then, but it I feel was, like
0: anytime anybody says British Petroleum, I'm like
1: yes, like BP, yeah, like, like BP. still
0: alive today, right?
1: Yes. Um. So they basically took over Iran's oil, and um. You know, anytime we take over a place, we really just, we don't want to deal with it. Democracy is trying to get a whole country on board, like fuck all that, we just want a dictator. Because a dictator, we can make deals with one guy and tell him this is what we want, he says, yeah, I'll do that for you, if you do this for me, quid pro quo, and if my people get loud about it, I'll just fucking kill them. So that's why we like dictators. It's very simple to do a quid pro quo with a dictator. Um, So we would put people in positions of power and, um, you know, to control that resource. So we did that um, in Iran, and then the people rose up and overthrew our puppet government. Okay. And they actually put in uh, Mossadegh. They put Mossadegh, um, they wanted Mossadegh, and we overthrew and put the Shah in.
0: Right. Yeah. That was uh, 1953 when we did that coup. Right. And then we <clears throat> planted the Shah Pahlavi.
1: But like in 1941, like Britain and Russia invaded. That was before, and they put their puppet government in there.
0: And we were like, oh, hell no.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, so it's kind of like, always been about putting a puppet in there who will control the people so you can take the oil. That's what it's always been about.
0: Yeah, America's like a natural (laughs) fucking Jim Henson.
1: Right, (laughs) and then in 1979, there was the Iranian Revolution, which happened right before Reagan came into office. So then we go to Nicaragua, it was kind of the same story because in Central America, you had the banana wars. Right. And you had corporations going down there in Central America, in Honduras and Nicaragua and whatnot, and, like, fucking the peasant people over and taking their land for banana crops. Right. And it was uh, Dole, right? Chiquita. No, Chiquita. Chiquita. It was Chiquita. Dole was, uh, Sorry, think... Dole was Hawaii. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so it was the banana wars, and um, we basically just oppressed the people down there so that they could have access to the land to grow bananas. And the
0: canal, that was a big part of the U.S. wanting yes. to be there. We wanted control of the, the, waterway. the mm-hmm. waterways there.
1: We wanted to build um, the canal, the Panama think, Canal, and Nicaragua originally.
0: Right. It's, it's important to note that America had a hand in the so-called banana wars, uh, control of that canal, because it, it kind of implants the idea of why we didn't like Nicaragua to begin with. Mm -hmm. Um, and when we tried to do that, we lost Mm -hmm. to the Sandinistas who were like, fuck you, you're not coming into our country and taking our resources, like get the fuck out. Um, so obviously, you know, oh, people wanted their own resources. We hate them. Um, so right, that's exactly, important yes. to remember mm-hmm. through this whole thing, because when we go through all of this, I always wonder why, like, what the fuck is our interest or beef with Nicaragua? Like, and I didn't know
1: mm-hmm. that United fruit company was the name of the company
0: that we were so mm-hmm. involved before that. So,
1: and yeah, cause history and the reason we went into all this before I ran Contra is because history is never like a segment. It's not a decade. It's not a, even a day. There's a continuum. Every event that occurs in history has its roots in something that happened before. Nothing just springs out of nothing. It's all part of one long, continuous story. So when we go, when Juke and I go in to study these things, we're like, we start out with an iron contra, we're like, okay, but let's go backwards. Like, why in this in the first place? And then we just, we end up back in like 200 BC. Because like it's all connected, it all has, so. The Iranian Revolution happened in 1979 and also you had the Nicaraguan um, people you know the Sandinistas come into power so
0: which seems crazy uh, to think that those are related but because when I first started reading about it it's like oh that was back in the early 1900s you know 1912 but um, it didn't end until 1933 so only 20 years later we're talking about in the 50s getting involved in and more of what relates to Iran-Contra I guess for me, it was just like hard to see. We really still hate Nicaragua here in the 80s when that shit happened in the 30s. But when you see the people who were involved, it's like, oh, yeah, Mm. they definitely are still holding beefs like.
1: Right. And it's so funny because whenever, you know, being Americans, we only hear the American propagandized version of history. Right. So if you go and ask almost any American who um, Fidel Castro is. They hundred percent know who. They'll say, "Oh, he's the Cuban dictator, Cuban right. dictator, dictator, dictator." But if you ask them, like, who is who is Somoza? Like, they don't know who Somoza is, and a, a study of Somoza. They don't they don't know that because we don't talk about the dictators that preceded the communist government taking over. Because at the time in Nicaragua, um, you know, there was like three percent of the people owned literally fucking everything. Um. Almost all the land, like seventy percent of land or something, was controlled by outside, uh, outside companies that were not from Nicaragua. They were, so it was an extreme system of um, elitism. You know, uh, concentration of wealth at the top, people were in extreme poverty at the bottom. That is the recipe for revolution. So when people say we are tired of starving. We are tired of being, uh, you know, living our lives in absolute misery and never having enough to eat and food and shelter. While 3% of the populace is living in extreme wealth, a revolution's going to fucking happen. Right. You know, when you go back and look at the congressional transcripts about the overthrow of the Hawaiian monarchy, there's actually um, senators who get up and talk about the reason for all of these um, revolutions that have happened through history. And remember, this is in the 1800s, so they weren't talking about stuff in the 20th century. This was, like, stuff in ancient history. It's always because of income inequality and land redistribution. Like, certain people are, like, kings and they own everything, and you just work on their land, serfs. So, anyway, you had those same situations happening in Iran and Nicaragua. And then when President Reagan um, was on his ascent to power, when he was running for office, um, you know, you hear a lot about this hostage crisis. And when we talk in the Iran-Contra affair, there was an issue of whether we were trading weapons for hostages. But the Iran-Contra scandal came around and, like, uh, was broke open, and they started talking about it in, like, 84. But we're talking about before Reagan even came into power. Right. So I think <clears throat> we
0: kind of developed a timeline here um on key points that we think is the most important to understand to try to get the whole picture here. And I think that that begins in 1953 um because that was when we had our CIA coup in Iran um and Operation Ajax. Yes. Or what did you say the British called Operation Boot? Yeah. But yeah, the Americans called it Operation Ajax. And the point of that was basically to get the Shah Pahlavi back in control because British Petroleum was having problems with the oil that they had control of there. And they were like, yo, America, um, Iran wants their oil and we don't want them to have it because we we want all of it for no good reason. We're entitled. And America was like, hell yeah, we love entitlement. Fuck those people. We'll Well, help you. Well, the
1: British, (laughs) when they went in there, did... um you know, they did invest in the country, and they did build oil refineries and drilling sites. They they did spend money investing, but um Mossadegh when he pushed for nationalization of the oil resources, was willing to talk with them about, hey, like, we know you spent money, you know, developing these oil sites, so, you know, we're going to compensate you, but the oil is our oil, and you're right. not giving us a fair deal. Yes. And they were like, what? And they were like, no, 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 no,
0: no, hold up. And then they... Tag-teamed America, and America was like, no, fuck that. So we launched a coup and uh, basically took him out of power because he wanted to give it, at least some of it, back to his own people. And we put uh, Shah Paul back in charge. Um, that was our main goal there, and that was in 1953, right? So then we don't have a lot really in between that time until 1979 and
1: when... And was arrested, and he was put in prison until he died.
0: Wow, that's really sad. That's what I'm says. sure
1: the I'm sure the people were not pleased by that at all. <laughs> but well, and it's funny too because when they organized this um, coup, one of the things that they did was the CIA paid all of these professional mobsters, and it's hilarious to hear the right wing now say that things like the January sixth insurrection were just paid people like to make Trump people look bad. They were like an insurgency that was paid just for. Whenever that is what your side has done forever. Right. Yeah, you want to hear another interesting part They paid part of that. people to go in the street and act like they hated Mossadegh They were CIA, on the CIA pay- payroll. And then they told Mossadegh listen, to keep calm. We don't want bloodshed. And he, he really was a person who didn't, like, want to see bloodshed in this country. So he told all of his supporters, like, listen, go home. Let's just be calm. Let the protesters protest. Well then, the protesters who weren't really protesters, who were really paid CIA people, overran his compound where he was living, and um, he had to—he was arrested and put in jail.
0: Crazy enough, too, we actually did a whole episode on a man named Smedley Butler who is deeply involved in a lot of these CIA mm-hmm. coups. That's—that's that's why the whole—you'll have to go back and listen to the episode. But I guess it shocked me because I'm like Smedley Butler, like he busted out all this shit, but it's like, of course he did because. He, he was involved that's how he managed to have all the information to right. to bring forward because he was involved in this and but but the smedley that, butler even said at one point that you know al capone only managed to run you know his mob deals in what three three counties or whatever and he was like i have it in three continents mm-hmm. so i mean Smelly butler came out and said like
1: yeah we did that shit. i right, mean it's yeah. not this isn't a conspiracy theory we know that shit happened the cia right. absolutely did that shit um, but when they tried to bring it home and make America a fascist country, he, he that's where he drew the line. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then he
0: started spilling their fucking secrets. Right. But so, yeah, then we go up to 1979 when the Iranians uh, overthrew the Shah mm-hmm. and um, he fled to the U.S. claiming we claim that we had him here to give him medical treatment for cancer or something. But it's it's pretty clear that, like, he was our guy and now we're giving him asylum because the people fucking want his head. And Iran was pissed. They wanted the US to give him back. They wanted to put him on trial. And we refused. We wouldn't do that. So, you know, then they take 52 hostages. You know, I feel like every time I, I hear the Iran story, they make it out like Iran randomly took these 52 hostages unprovoked for no reason. And that's, of course, just another <laughs> bullshit story that we pass off like American history so that we don't look like the bad guy. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not advocating for taking hostages when you're wronged, but it's not like they weren't provoked. Um, clear, they wanted they wanted the Shaw back to put him on trial. We said no. So fifty two hostages are taken, and this is nineteen seventy nine. This is, you know, pre Reagan being president.
1: Mm-hmm. And I just want to say too that all these coups that happened under the Dulles brothers, Allen and uh, Foster Dulles, who were the CIA uh, director in the State Department, head of the State Department, two of the most ruinous people in American history. Um, destroyed this country and everything it stands for by what they're, what they did, um, with foreign policy. But um, you know Eisenhower when he left office. One of the few things people always say about Eisenhower is, "Oh, Eisenhower. He was. He tried to warn us about the military-industrial complex, and you know the dangers of this and that." Um, he employed the Dulles brothers, and he was the one who gave approval for these fucking coups. So Eisenhower was no good guy. Um, he was looking out for his own country. So, I mean, every country looks out for their own interest, right? And after World War One, we realized that we can't have a war without oil. We have to have oil for tanks and planes and everything. So that's why we were so desperate to be in control of the oil because if the Soviet Union got in control of the oil, we basically would run out of gas on the battlefield and they would beat us. So,
0: so the next key note that I have here is that in 1980... Um which this comes out later, but I put it in chronological order of when these things happened, not when we found out about them. There was a woman named Barbara Hanegar, who was part of the Reagan camp with uh, George W. Bush Sr. and -hmm. William Casey, who was uh, head of the CIA under Reagan. Um, And she claims that in 1980, George W. Bush Sr., William Casey, and a man named Richard Allen had made a deal with the Iranians to keep those hostages those 52 hostages, until after Reagan was in office. Mm-hmm. So here's, here's where the, you know, the scandal starts to come into play. This happened in 1980. Reagan was not president yet. And in October of 1980, the Iranians, um, who had been speaking with Jimmy Carter before, are suddenly not interested in making any kind of deals mm-hmm. with uh, Jimmy Carter at all. Um, and they expressed interest to him that they wanted weapons. And Jimmy Carter himself called it blackmail. He, he straight up said, this, this is blackmail. Um, and that those interactions in October of 1980 uh, were referred to as the October surprise because talks were all good. And now suddenly the Iranians are like, huh, we don't want to talk to you anymore, Jimmy Carter. And it's speculated that the reason why they were like, we're done with Carter is because they knew they could get a better deal somewhere else with the Reagan camp, who this Barbara Hanniger says that, that is what was happening, that George Bush and William Casey were making deals behind a door. Like, hey, when Reagan's, it's in the office, we'll give you a better deal than what Carter can give you. Right. And that's what they refer to as the infamous uh, October surprise. So then in January of 1981, uh, the hostages are released immediately after the Reagan inauguration. Yeah. I mean, immediately. It was like, what, the same day or the day, day later?
1: January I mean, 20 is inauguration day.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they, they, the it was like, it was super obvious, right? They literally released those sausages like right after Reagan's inauguration. Um, and then in 1981, the first arms deal to Iran happens, even though later in the papers, the paper trail of our arms deals with Iran don't claim that the first arms sales happens with them until like 1985. But we know that that's not true. The, the, first, the first deals with them were happening in like 81, right? Immediately after this whole thing. So, I mean, it it seems pretty clear by the evidence that we discover later when the trials go on that there were some shady deals going on. The Iranians say, we're not dealing with Carter anymore. Um, It's been alleged that the camp for Reagan did make backdoor deals with the Iranians saying, just hold the hostages. And when Reagan gets into office... We'll give you what you want, and you release the hostages. It makes everybody look good. Make makes Reagan look good. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. the second he gets elected, they do release them. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly we're sending weapons their way. I mean, it's, just, it's it's absolutely clear what the motives were there.
1: Yeah, and I remember the um, all the pearl clutching that happened with Republicans whenever um, Obama was caught on a hot mic talking to Vladimir Putin before he became president. And he said, well, you know, Putin was asking him about what his position would be on something or other. And Obama said, well, wait until I get into office and then we can discuss it more. And that was a fucking national scandal among Republicans that Obama was talking um, foreign policy before he was president. It was like, okay, but you had like fucking Reagan doing actual back channel bullshit before involving people's lives. Before he became president. But they they say all that's fantasy. They say this Barbara Honegger lady, it was never corroborated, blah, blah, blah. They say she's full of crap. You know, but they live in a fantasy world where Reagan was some cowboy hero too. So, what if?
0: Yeah, totally fucking mind-blowing. So, at the time that all this is occurring, um, Iran was at war with Iraq, right? Mm -hmm. And it's important to note that Israel wanted that war to keep going. And that's that's important because in all of this, you see like, what the fuck? When Israel helps us later on, what the fuck was their motive for it? Right. But right. they Israel's <clears throat> main concern there was that they wanted Iran and Iraq to keep fighting. Right.
1: And it was especially confusing to me at first because I was like, well, if you look at Iran and Iraq, um, you know, Iran was headed by and by by mullahs, by like religious clerics, you know, um, hardcore. Uh, Muslims and they have no love for Jews and Saddam Hussein um, was more of a secular ruler I mean he was a dictator but he didn't he wasn't uh, it wasn't a theocracy he didn't rule it like under religious theocracy you know what I mean he was more secular so if you are a Jewish person and you're looking at these two countries you're like but why why would they help why would they help Iran? But when you stop and think about it, like, they didn't really care who was the victor, but they just wanted them to, to deteriorate de- deux- de- später- each other, deplete their resources by fighting each other, so they weren't a threat to Israel. Like, right. That was their whole right. plan.
0: So then now you can kind of see the if you weren't familiar with Iran-Contra at all before listening to this episode, this is where it starts to form, right? Reagan makes a deal with Iran before he's president so that he looks good becomes president and also for him. If you him think about bad. it
1: he could have been blackmailed because he wasn't allowed to do that he wasn't authorized to do any of that stuff before he was president so if if he did make a deal with iran like hey hold these hostages until i'm become president that if that is serious blackmail shit so they could have gotten anything they wanted from reagan right you know it might explain why his administration went out on this crazy limb and broke all these laws to I mean, maybe because they said, listen, you're going to do, do this deal with us or else we're going to let the world know that you really, you know. But I mean, who in America is going to believe, you know, Al- a Khomeini over Reagan? <laughs> right. I mean, it's kind of a threat, but maybe they had him recorded. Who knows? Like, but I just, yeah, so.
0: Right. Part of the reason why we're not supposed to engage in deals like this, because then you are compromised. Like now they have exactly. something over you mm-hmm. and you, you can't be trusted to uphold what's going to be good for your country when, right. you're, when you're compromised so that kind of shapes it all up though so reagan had these deals and like we said the republicans still to this day deny all that they mm-hmm. say that october surprise is nonsense they had nothing to do with it even though there's a lot of evidence and the outcome just points to that is exactly what happened right it's kind of hard to argue mm-hmm. but also that explains why israel was involved too they were like all about stoking that fire so they right. didn't have to worry about iran and iraq they just let him go at it it's a distraction from us.
1: Right, and it was funny, we talked about this I think a little bit before, but my mom was like, a, my mom and dad are kind of like a, a uh, microcosm of, uh, a time capsule I should say, of, of right wing propaganda. Because when they would talk about stuff, it's like they this all, whole reality they live in up now until the Trump era um, started way back when. And I, they always used to say that Jimmy Carter was a coward and that he was, you know, a pussy and whatever. And I'm like, I wonder why do they think that? And they're like, well, he didn't do anything to them to them Iranians for taking the hostages and it took Reagan coming in to get him back. They knew they better to return yes, his Yes, it hostages. is a
0: completely Republican boasted
1: myth that Reagan because has, they were so scared, they just gave the hostages right, back. Right, Because when you look at it's Reagan's a presidency, sword. he had many, many more hostages taken through his presidency. It's, it's they totally, weren't scared of Reagan.
0: It's totally hypocritical to say, and Republicans do it all the time, they give Reagan the credit for those 52 hostages being released. And we're like, oh, so you admit it reagan did have backdoor deals to get these hostages released Mm. right after and they're like no no that's not what we meant
1: (laughs) no we just mean that that reagan they knew reagan not to mess around he was so big and tough that they just
0: released him the day of his inauguration because they were scared yeah okay
1: but anyways jimmy carter actually did authorize a military action called operation eagle claw to rescue the hostages but they flew into a sandstorm and it was a disaster and and some of the soldiers died and, and you know But the military told him, "Hey, we can do this if you give us authorization." And Jimmy Carter gave them authorization to try, you know, a swoop in and save these. He 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 went along with it. He was not a he was not a pussy by any means. But um, you know, that shit went down. It went bad, and uh, you know, and then Reagan just strolls into office and is like, "Oh, hero!" Right? I mean, it's just none of it has to do anything with with anything factual, but.
0: So then we move on to the next thing here, um, which is in 1982. This is two years later now um, or a year later from Reagan's inauguration when the first Bolin Amendment is passed. Um, and the Boland Amendment was passed to stop funding to Contras in Honduras mm-hmm. um, who were fighting the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. Um, so just total to bring separate up thing. To that, that was the banana wars as relates to the banana. No, no, wars. no.
1: But there was more stuff that happened after the banana wars. So just like Iran, um, Nicaragua went through this period of you know right wing and left wing, yeah, you know, almost like civil war type thing going on.
0: Yeah, except for the left and the right, um, it would be like the Sandinistas were on the left, and like the Contras were the right. Mm-hmm. Um, just to put it in terms that relate to like how our politics work.
1: Right, and and actually the Sandinistas are named after Sandino, who was. Uh, Basically, like, um, Che Guevara-type character. I mean, I, that's how I see him anyways, but um, he was, um, you know, they, they considered him a hero because he was, like, the fighter of the people, whatever, but anyway, so, um, you know, they, they were, the people of Nicaragua were trying to, um, you know, overthrow their, the, the dynasty, the family dynasty in their co- country that was causing all of this uh, inequality. And uh, they were inspired by the Cuban Revolution, by Fidel Castro, and, you know, in the, the Cuban Revolution, they were like, hey, you know, we can have that happen here. And they did come to power, and, and they were recognized, the Sandinistas were recognized by the United States government as a legitimate government. But, you know, conservatives here were like, but they're leftists. We can't recognize them. They're, they're, they're leftists. And we can't let the Russians, you know, if the Russians support them, then we can't have that on this continent. <laughs> Not in my backyard. So, like, we recognize them, but at the same time, it's like we don't really. The the conservatives in this country did not want them in power.
0: Right, and and like I said, when they passed the Bolin Amendment, this was to stop funding the contras who were directly fighting the Sandinistas. Right, and in there was Honduras. a couple
1: reasons for that. One reason was because a lot of the really high level people that were like organizing the war um, were were drug runners. Big time. They were making tons of money for drugs, and that's how they were funding this quote resistance to the Sandinistas. Um. And the other reason was because of atrocities that were committed. You know, they had death squads, they terrorized villagers, murdered people, and so um, the Contras did not have
0: a good reputation no. at all. But we funded them because we don't and, like and, we don't like them. Leftist Sandinistas. And Reagan
1: compared them to our founding fathers. <laughs> yes he did so you know when you read your history books just try to imagine like ben franklin like selling coke <laughs> to get the paper to write the constitution just Organizing try to imagine squads that. yeah yeah
0: yeah but anyway i noted that the this first Boland amendment in 1982 because people re- constantly refer to the Boland amendment when speaking about iran contra but it's important to note that this first one in 1982 wasn't related to iran um, it was the first one, and it, it had nothing to do with... Iran's not even on the radar yet. This right. was just about funding other Contras, Contras yeah. in Honduras who mm-hmm. were fighting the Sandinistas, who we didn't like mm-hmm. because of, you know, our interest in the Banana Wars. We didn't fucking like the Sandinistas. So we, you know, funded the Contras, even though they were shit bags, But nothing to well, do with Iran.
1: Well, I think, I think at that point, our motive had moved on from Banana Wars. Oh, that, I think it was just spite at that point. No, I th- it was because it's the Cold War. So it, during the Cold War, there was this theory... That if any one country fell to communism, that they it would be like a domino effect, um, and that next thing you know, like they're beating on your door, so you have to fight them over there, or fight them over here when they get here. This was the um, foreign policy that was promoted by all right wing warmongers concerning Vietnam, uh, South America, or Central American wars. It was all supposedly about not having russia at your back door the cold wars That's So why we went to afghanistan to fight the russians there well we didn't go there we, we funded the mujahideen to fight them <laughs> that was all because of the cold war
0: so all through this point now while looking back on history is probably uh at least for people like me who weren't alive during the time it just seems shocking i don't know why i shitbag politicians lie so that is what it is but it's funny to see that through all of this, you know, when Reagan takes office in 1981 on publicly, he's against giving anything to Iran. He's like, no, we no don't shit. sell weapons yeah. to them. Mm-hmm. We All in the public, he is so against this shit, right? No, we don't sell weapons to Iran. Of course not. Mm-hmm. We don't do that.
1: I never had sex with that boy.
0: <laughs> right. And Israel even said, too, that they sold weapons to Iran and that Alexander Haig had approved it. Um, and he was the secretary of state under reagan they claimed he approved it but he denies that that ever happened so Mm -hmm. we all know by this point that the reagan camp absolutely did sell weapons to iran but through the public eye reagan always denied that they were doing that Mm -hmm. okay um which brings to the next point project democracy side note there um this was Reagan's, I don't. I, I just like to call it a shell company is basically what it was. Project Democracy was um, supposed to be like a privately funded, like business funded organization to quote unquote spread democracy. Uh, but they were actually used to just do what our governments wouldn't do. Right. Or couldn't do in the mm-hmm. public eye. Um, mm-hmm. So Project Democracy is what I like to call a shell company for doing government business that we didn't want to get in trouble for. And um, Ollie North, who is a huge character in this Iran Contra, ended up referring to this project as as part of his covert operations. Mm-hmm. So this is important because it's around the these early 80 times that Project Democracy was a thing and it was out in the open. We talked; they talked about it, mm-hmm. but they just tried to play it off like it was this innocent thing like all these companies just want to help us spread democracy. But that's, that's not what it fucking was at mm-hmm. all. And then later, Ollie North kind of confirms that by being like, oh, yeah, it's one of the operations I was involved in. Like, hold the fuck up. What? Yeah, it's kind of like how the Heritage he Foundation
1: helps just good law students get into college and then they become conservative Supreme Court judges. Right. So what a quinky dink.
0: It brings us up to 1982. And, you know, Reagan's public opinion or public word is that the u.s cannot sell weapons to iran right but the reagan am- administration really did want to do that they just didn't want to do it in the public eye so they and needed we were to find telling other
1: people not to sell right, weapons. Sorry, absolutely by the way
0: it was a hundred percent no policy no deals with iran um but they actually did want to do that so they needed to find money um to fund these contras in nicaragua and also you know to whatever
1: else they wanted to do
0: right just whatever they need they need secret money they got to keep their face up and say no we don't want to do this shit but then they they actually do so they're looking for money for it project democracy kind of plays into that um and and again the boland amendment the first of boland amendment prevented them from getting any more money money to these these contras in honduras so that kind of wraps up 82. It's like a lot happens there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just just in the inauguration. Like I said of we're Reagan. not trying
1: to give a college course on it. We were just, you know, going over it as a historical event ourselves and trying to look into it and understand like I mean, I was, you know, um, like preteen, early teenager whenever all of this happened and um Reagan was like really the first president that I knew, like that I remembered and um You know, I always thought of him as the president that was there talking very calmly whenever, you know, consoling the nation when the challenger blew up and that someone tried to shoot him. So he always came across to me as this grandfatherly figure who was like, you know, trying to help you through the bad times or whatever else. What a fucking lie. He did put on a really good face. He He was a good actor. That's what he, that's what he started out in was acting and he just went into the presidency as a big fucking fake. Right, right.
0: So yeah, 1982, um, Got to find money to fund those Contras. Boland Amendment puts a stop to that. So Project Democracy is created. And then we moved to 1983, which was uh, Operation Staunch, I think it was called. That was when they, uh, they were discouraging other countries from selling weapons to Iran. Right, right, right. Which I feel like is a two-part plan there. I mean, just, first of all, it would look good, you know? Like, we're really not trying to deal with Iran. And secondly, it kind of cuts off all other sources of weapons for Iran except to deal with us behind mm. closed doors. So that was important to note.
1: And you know, too, if you stop and think about it, like, and we didn't really fact this, and I'm just talking off my top of my head here, but, you know, whenever uh, the Bushes got tight with the Saudis, right? Because the Bushes and the Saudis are like... Way back, man. Way back. Like, there's some love there. And, um, you know, when the when the uh, Ayatollah was in charge in, in Iran, like... The French were trying to help them build a nuclear power plant like in a nuclear um, enrichment like the French were like helping them. And we were like, no, no, don't do that. We don't want you to do that. Well, why do you think the French were doing it? Because they love Iran? No, they were doing it because Iran had oil and the French wanted probably a deal on the oil. So everybody's angling. Right. But we tell these other countries don't do it. And then behind the scenes we're doing it we're doing it (laughs) right
0: so that brings us up to the end of 1983 that is when the second Bolin amendment is passed Mm -hmm. um and it doesn't say that they can't um use money to fund contras but it caps the amount that they're Mm -hmm. allowed to fund contras um the first bolan amendment had expired to i don't know exactly how long when they when they passed that amendment mm-hmm. how long it was for but when the second one passed it was just to cap the amount it was like 24 think, million dollars or and something and i
1: think there were some qualifications in there that they had to try to be more careful that the money wasn't funding drug operations and shit right like, so
0: congress is definitely aware that like listen funding these contras is like out of control all right, you guys got your hands in all of this. Mm-hmm. We, got, we got to rein this in We're a little We're not bit. supposed to
1: be overthrowing governments.
0: Right. Yeah, so they're trying to rein this in, and it's only making it harder for Reagan, who just wants to, like, full-fledged fund these people. Uh-huh. Um, and openly did say
1: that in public. Right, right. Did say, yeah. I mean, but they're did. like, well, how, how much did Reagan know, and when did he know it? It's like, clearly, clearly he fucking knew well, it all. Well, let's just say, like, if he didn't fucking know, he made it very, very clear to his people What he wanted to happen. So, whether he was like, Yeah, I really want this to happen. And if it should happen without my direct knowledge, but with my full consent, that'd be sweet. (laughs) I mean, that's like the definition of fucking plausible denying. That would be just swell. That's how he would say it. (laughs) Okay, so that moves
0: us up to 84. Um, And in 1984, the US delivered $40 million worth of weapons to Saudi Arabia. Right. And th- this part always confuses me because I'm like, fucking Saudi Arabia. Now we got, now another country. A, yet another country involved in this whole scandal. Mm-hmm. Like literally, Reagan had to be co- like compromised in so many ways. Mm-hmm. They could have blackmailed him on so many fronts. Um, but basically how that worked out was we sold weapons to Saudi Arabia. Which was allowed. Wh- yeah, which was totally allowed. And then they liquidated it to turn it into money for the Mm contras it was just we weren't Saudi Arabia was a shell company right yeah we weren't giving them the money but we gave weapons to Saudi Arabia who then gave them money so
1: they were like listen Saudi but this is all open this is Saudi Saudis listen we want we want to talk shell and we ain't talking oil for once company But yeah, so they they did this they did that thing where they they sold weapons to the Saudis. Saudis turned it into cash. Um, well, the Saudi's had cash, so we gave them weapons, and then they turn around and gave cash to the contras. Um, so it's kind of like people that get their food stamp card and then are like, hey, like I'll give you like ten dollars the food for five dollars in cash, right? Like, you know, it's like. There's people that are gonna be corrupt and go around the rules are going to find some way to do it. And this is what Reagan did. And it real, really burns my ass when I hear um, the Tucker Carlson's and the Sean Hannity's of the fucking world going on about um, unelected bureaucrats and um, how people are power hungry and this and that, the Democrats are power hungry, it's a power grab. How's this for a power grab? Um, reagan's told no by the fucking congress wipes his ass with the constitution writes a love letter to fucking saudi arabia and sails it across the fucking ocean like how is that for they threw the constitution literally in the trash right and then they want to sit there and amy coney barrett wants to talk about how she's an originalist of the constitution go fuck yourself you and the Heritage Foundation and all these right wingers can literally go and fuck yourself because you don't care about the Constitution. They've never cared about the Constitution. Trump didn't care about the Constitution. It's so funny. He too. hated the balance of power.
0: They talk about it in the same way, like the Trump administration. And when you listen to people who had to testify after the whole Iran Contra thing blew up, they talk about democracy like it's a roadblock. That annoys them. Yes. And that's exactly what this deal to Saudi Arabia was. It was just getting around the roadblock of. Boland Amendment says we can't fund Contras anymore. Where are we going to get the money? Well we'll just you know. Fucking
1: open a Swiss bank account dude. There you go. Just go
0: around. Like the same
1: way we avoid paying taxes. Come
0: (laughs) on. So then in March of 1984. um, It's on page three of how to be a corrupt (laughs) motherfucker. (laughs) Didn't you read the memo? (laughs) (laughs) William Casey who is the head of the CIA under Reagan sends a message to, uh, what's his name, Bud, Bud McFarlane, mm-hmm. who um, was the big NSA guy. He was real buddy-buddy with Reagan, and by all accounts, when they when I read different, basically, biopics of him, people describe him as, as genuinely being a good guy, not a dirtbag at all, which surprised me, because I'm like, to be caught up this deeply in the Iran-Contra thing, how are you not... A total shitbag like like Casey and George Bush. Those people were obviously shitbags willing mm-hmm. to do whatever. But McFarland kind of seemed like he did have some morals. Which w- would just surprise me. You know what I mean? Because he still went along with all the shit. Mm-hmm. But I guess that just goes to show that even people who do have solid moral foundations. And think they're right, doing the right thing can, can be a part of these situations if they're just convinced that what they're doing is the right thing
1: right you mean like every soldier who's ever fought and died for every war america's ever fought except for world war ii absolutely yeah, just like that absolutely i think the same thing happened to bud mcfarland but maybe i'm wrong but
0: casey sends a message to bud mcfarland saying that the israelis do not want to give money to the contras right because we reached out to them and we're like hey listen israel like, help us out here. Give some money to the Contras. And they were like, nah, we're not doing that. So he suggested to Bud um, to create a quote-unquote foundation mm-hmm. um, that was run by someone outside the government that could raise money for the Contras. So again, this is just finding another way around the Boland Amendment roadblock of how are we going to fund the Contras. Um,
1: and they called that the Enterprise, right? They
0: called it the Enterprise. That's what this foundation was called. Um and there's like a bunch of different people that funded it too i'm pretty sure it wasn't like the coors beer company one of the ones yeah. that funded this enterprise yeah. i mean what a fucking like this is straight up this comic, is like coke brothers. this shit. is like comic book villain names of the enterprise like that yeah. is so like evil and devious yeah. what the fuck
1: going where no corrupt republican has ever gone before <laughs> to the four so, corners of the earth shortly after that ped- <laughs>
0: Shortly after that, in like the summer, like June, May, June, um of nineteen eighty four, McFarland does secure about eight million dollars from Saudi Arabia to give to the Contra. Um, and that was in exchange for the forty million dollars in weapons we gave to them. So right. think about that. We give them forty million dollars in weapons and they give us eight million dollars mm-hmm. in return. I for think the though they were
1: generous, and I think the donation T- all total in the bank accounts came to like 18 million i think they did give them like 18 but still it's less than half of yeah, what it's fucking half i mean it's, it's just, a food just, stamp deal it, literally american
0: taxpayer <laughs> dollars going to send weapons to a country right so that they can give us money for illegal so shit
1: maybe the maybe the republicans look at it this way. listen congress that this shit again
0: this shit was out in the open they, this wasn't secret that we gave that those weapons to saudi arabia and I'm sure it did not escape the eyes of Congress because then immediately, like after that, in like June or July, sometime in the summer of 1984, the Senate was like, um, "Hey, no more money for Contras at all. You're yeah. fucking done now. Like we see you. We're we see sent you no going, loophole. Yeah, we see you going around. Literally, we said no, and you're fucking finding loopholes for it. So we're fucking done. None at all now. None at all. Bad, bad administration. They're spraying them with a squirt bottle. <laughs> Knock it off. But they most certainly did not knock it off. They were no. going to find ways to fund those fucking right. contras. Which again, yeah, like you said, maybe they were blackmailing Reagan. I just, I cannot imagine being that obsessed with the idea of smashing the Sandinistas. Like, really? That was your main presidential goal? You risked it all just to fund these contras to fight the Sandinistas. Like, really? Well, like I said, you That's know, a true
1: hatred. No, it's, it's not necessarily hatred, but it's serious fucking indoctrination. It's like the Cold War era and like I said, my parents were the climbing under your school desk for fear of a bomb coming over. They were traumatized by the idea of bombs falling on their heads. Um, although, you know, England had bombs fall on their head and they were like, you know, recovered and were like, yeah, fucking war sucks, let's not do that again. Um, but we just keep wanting to have more war. Like, we, we, we get traumatized by the thought of war, but then we just keep wanting to do it. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, but yeah, so then, so then they set up these Swiss bank accounts. Um, I think Secord was in charge of that general, retired general who made lots of money, by the way, Congress asked him, you know, so when you sold these weapons and they were marked up and the way we figure it, you know, you made a lot of money, um, on the sale of these weapons. And he was like, "Eh, yeah. And they were like, so was your objective to make yourself rich or was your objective to help fund the Congress. And he's like, well, I I thought I could do both. A little bit of both. Like when you listen to Ollie North and Secord and all these people testify, the real like kick in the teeth is that they literally sit there in front of Congress and openly admit everything they did and go, yeah, I don't think I was wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is crazy. When we get further into the actual testimony of Oliver North, um, it's just insane how they talk about literally democracy as a roadblock that's why i I mean it's a perfect word Mm -hmm. for it they every single step of the way when we were like no absolutely not we're done doing this and the president and all the people he had in his camp were just like no we're going to keep doing it Mm -hmm. so and in that you have um just as a rundown you have reagan as president and george w bush senior who was his vp and then um
1: who was former cia right He Mm -hmm. was former CIA.
0: So then they appoint William Casey to replace him. Now he's head of CIA under Reagan. Um, who else do we have here? Yeah. Bud McFarlane in the NSA and, uh, Poindexter, Poindexter worked under Bud McFarlane in the, in the CIA. And Bud McFarlane was actually the one who brought Ollie North in. Mm -hmm. He, that was, that was him. He brought Oliver North into that side of the things. Um, just a lot of key players that are going to become important in the next episode when we when we go on from 1984 on. But let's just before we close the first part of this episode
1: cuz we realized it was going to take like oh a this lot. is
0: probably going to be a three part. That's why yeah. I was like let's cover everything from 84 beyond in the first episode or before in the first episode and then we'll go 85 and 86 will probably be there those two years will be a whole episode mm-hmm. because it's just that's when it starts getting sticky.
1: Yeah. Um but let's talk about how this came to uh into the light so there was a crash of a plane and the person that was inside of that plane um said hey um i work for the cia do you have that part there
0: i don't have it on my notes written here but yeah what was that guy's name it was like eugene something hold on one second let me look through my notes
1: but while jake's looking for his name um the the overall thing is that if this guy if this incident wouldn't have happened this might have went on until the end of Reagan's presidency and it might be one of those things that gets released years later that barely makes a lip I mean this was a national scandal and you know to stop and think that it might have gone on uninterrupted and um, you know
0: never come to light so the guy's name was eugene hassenfuss yes, i don't know if hassenfuss. i'm pronouncing that that's right, why I, and I he could- was a former marine who was he was helping fly weapon shipments on behalf of the united states um to the the rebels the contras right. in nicaragua like right. direct right. direct weapons to contras no bullshit secret plane and it just happens to get shot down, right? And this right. guy's like, hey, uh, I'm from the CIA. Please don't kill me. Mm-hmm. And the CIA at first was like, no, he's not one of ours. They mm-hmm. completely deny that. Like, no, he's mm-hmm. not ours.
1: Like those guys down in Venezuela, how they we said that they just went down there all on their own and we had nothing to do with it. Those commandos, former SEAL people.
0: No, mm-hmm. I'm not familiar. Yeah, that
1: happened under while Trump was in office. There were some... Uh, like a team of people that had a clusterfuck down in Venezuela got caught and they were just like, oh, no, we, we just came down here to to uh, fight on our own. <laughs> right. Nobody put us up to it. Doesn't like, sound suspicious just at all. stop it. It sounds familiar. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that didn't happen until uh, actually October of 1986, which is when the Iran-Contra lid blows. Right. Um, because of, partially because of this plane crash, but also there was... um. I don't know which, I don't know which uh, post it was that wrote the whole article. Wasn't it like a Lebanese news article or something that like totally busted the shit out, and the American media got a hold of it and was like, "Wait a minute, what?"
1: Oh yeah, there was a Middle East newspaper and they ran a story about it, and uh, yeah, kind of blew it up. Yeah, they couldn't keep, but the like lid we on denied it. We were like, no, "No, no, no, yeah, no, no, that's not right." And then the fucking plane crashes. Right. So I'm pretty sure the plane crashed after that. And it was like, okay, now we're kind of, now we're kind of screwed. Yeah, we couldn't deny
0: that shit any longer. But um, like I said, the next episode we'll cover from uh, the end of 1984 on because 85 and 86. 86 when everything blows up, fall, and then you have the trials and all that. That's going to be, it's all own episode. But basically in this one, we just wanted to cover, uh, yeah, U.S. hates Nicaragua because like always, we just want to plunder where we want without interference the Nicaraguans were like, nah, fuck that. And we hate
1: the Reds, communists. Yeah,
0: reds. we hate. That. I mean, supposedly, but, um, yeah. So then, you know, we got all involved in that. Hated the
1: Sandinistas. It's just wow, what a long story. You know what yeah. I mean? It's a very in depth, and I, I don't know. Like I've, I've watched a lot of videos on it and tried to read about it and everything, and it's just like you said, it is like a giant, tangled up. Octopus? Ball of yarn, and you start un- trying to untangle this one knot, and then you realize there's 16 other knots inside of that knot, and it's it's a big mess. But it amazes me that, um you know, this was such a huge scandal, and it just they just rolled right over it.
0: Yeah, they did, and it's it, but it is hard to unravel because when you start explaining Iran Contra, it's like how do you take all these different countries that seemingly have no interest in each other? Right. I mean, what the fuck does Iran have to do with Nicaragua? Right. You know, I think that's the most confusing part of it. And then you add in how many different people are involved, mm-hmm. all these different names, and it does get extremely complicated. But like I said, to to sum up this episode as a whole, it's just explaining why we wanted to fund the Contras in Nicaragua and what our beef was with them. Mm-hmm. Um, how the Reagan administration, supposedly, I mean, I guess you could still classify that as a conspiracy because they still deny that that, October surprise was was their Mm -hmm. deal but it's pretty obvious that the Reagan administration did deals behind Jimmy Carter's back before he was in office Mm -hmm. to secure his presidency Mm -hmm. Um, pretty fucking obvious that that's what happened which shows just the scandals involved before the man even takes office Mm -hmm. and you know Reagan one of his most famous sayings is that we did not trade weapons for hostages you know, and and it's like okay, well, it's just it's just a coincidence then that we have proof that you sent them weapons in 1981 after hostages were released, as soon as you became president. Right. That's that's the scandal that we wanted to cover up until this point. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, of course, to prove that they are absolutely willing to go around our our laws, our democracy, we say yeah. no. They find loopholes.
1: It's wild. And and also like as you, as we go through this thing, we got to keep in mind that. You know, there's always been government scandal. There's always been uh, corruption, okay? But what I find interesting is that, you know, you had the Nixon. You had the Watergate break-in, which was, (laughs) like, a joke compared to Iran-Contra. Literally a fucking joke. But people had some measure of, if they didn't have integrity, they at least wanted to have, like, the appearance of respectability. So they pretty much told Nixon, like, we're out, dude. Like, this is too big cut it loose like resign because we're gonna have to impeach you so Nixon resigned okay then you get um, uh, Reagan in office and Reagan's peeps get up there and they're just like yeah we did it all in the name of freedom and we'll get into the testimony about how some actual veterans were like yeah that's bullshit Um, and then you get to the Trump era which now you see, they're trying to investigate. Um, they, they, they subpoenaed, like, Steve Bannon and, and some other, And they're basically just like, yeah, we don't even have to care what Congress says anymore. Like, how extreme, how it has deteriorated, the control that Congress has over our government. We are sliding into dictatorship, literally on a banana peel, belonging to United Fruit Company, <laughs> ready to fucking slip into the grave dug by an oil company (laughs) it's just it's 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 terrifying when you've seen that congress has always been the agent the the organization that reigns in this criminal element and they have been made toothless laughing stock yeah yeah when when bill barr said well nancy bring your handcuffs jokingly about his subpoena they should have threw his ass in jail to make a fucking point but no we throw people like Julian Assange in jail. We throw people like Chelsea Manning in jail. We don't throw war criminals and people that rip up our Constitution in jail. Nah, that's my rant. All right. I mean, <laughs> ditto. I feel you. <laughs> this shit, like,
0: this is the kind of shit that when you start reading about and and doing nothing but researching it for weeks on end, um, gets you onto a rant. I don't know if we did in the last episode. I think it was in the last episode that we were making jokes about. Yeah, Marxists or communists. Uh, socialism and and getting into the minds of young children via Sesame Street with your right. parents. Yeah, <laughs> and I had to laugh because it's like I just get these bits and pieces when I'm trying to fall asleep at night of recollections of these conversations We have discussing you know and writing on our whiteboard and sticking up these pictures to try to get all these people organized and I walk away from it my brain is so mushed that all I can think is a uh, Big Bird is a socialist trying to brainwash your children and also the CIA exists for coups over bananas and i'm i'm sitting there wondering if it's the cia CIA is just actually
1: i smoke weed tonight (laughs) the cia is actually just a bunch of chimps in suits and they're like what 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 will happen by the time you get to be my age which is 50 is that all of these things in history you you won't be able to remember the details and names yeah just little bits come out and you sound like a total whack right you'll study it all up and you'll be like oh wow and then you'll like see the same fucking story replayed, and the names are just different. Right. Because I said this before, the CIA was never an imaginative organization. It just repeats the same script and the same plot. The names just change. So after so long, it's just all one story. It's the same fucking story over and over and over again. And I remember when George Bush was president. Senior or junior? Junior, when Mm. when, when we first got attacked and all that. And I went to my psychiatrist because I was nuts and um, I said, I feel like um, we're on the verge of a police state and that you could look out the window and see tanks just rolling down the street. And she was like, is that something that you really are afraid of? And I'm like, yes. Yes. Like bro, do you not see that that's how other
0: country, that have that shit happens in other countries all yeah. the time? Like one day they like live in a normal life, and the next day, occupation motherfucker I like know. a light switch. It's
1: Myanmar, you know what I mean? Like shit happens every day everywhere else, and I'm like, why do you think that it can't happen here? And then I realize I'm about to make the person who's supposed to make me sane I'm about to make her crazy, so I like worries me because I'm like please don't share your insanity cuz then who's going to save you from your insanity <laughs> but yeah like i don't understand why people didn't see that it was going to come home to roost like the whole insurrection thing like i don't know why
0: well not only that but then it's same the same thing with 911 you know it's strange and i remember when you talked to, on the podcast about you and Jermaine both about your 911 stories that you said um it was strange that you lived in almost like a different reality because of the knowledge you had compared to other people because when 9-11 happened a lot of people in the country were like oh my god why would they do this and it's right. like what do you mean why would they do this right why wouldn't they do this have yeah. you not been paying attention and i feel like um i feel like that a lot of times too when when different things happen and people are like oh my god how could this happen and i feel like it would be the same thing if we started having some kind of uh no, well, I mean just like the Patriot Act, you know what I mean. And when Edward mm-hmm. Snowden busted out all that shit mm-hmm. about like the the the, guy, the government is spying on you, even people that don't need to be monitored being right. monitored, like, and people were like, "How could
1: this happen?" And I'm like, "What do you mean?" It was obvious they were going to do that the whole time, like, right? Like you started to see when George Bush <laughs> the second George Bush was in there. I mean, the first George Bush was a megalomaniac, warmonger too, but um, when the second George Bush was in there, that's when you had the press secretary saying people need to watch what they say right like it literally started to feel like 1984 if wait you, it wasn't
0: if, you, if yeah. you took footage of a president saying that back to like the 40s or the, or the 50s like after world war ii mm-hmm. and showed it to people they mm-hmm. would be horrified i just right. feel like people in that time would be look at republicans today people who were probably considered conservatives then would look at conservatives now and mm-hmm. they would be horrified Mm -hmm. so yeah I don't know I just thought it was funny that like you know the the deeper that you dig into just simply history not even conspiracies but just history itself yeah and you look around and, and you try to have conversations with people and it's it is like living in a different reality because it's like bro what do you mean I'm not the crazy one for thinking this is possible because it's happened before right and you said same thing with CIA ops and it is true when we start doing some serious episodes about different CIA ops they really do follow the same mm-hmm. playbook over it's like boy and over bands. again.
1: It's, it's like boy bands, yeah. You know, it really it's just a is. recipe. You got the sweet guy, you got the tough guy, sweet <laughs> guy. Like it's just a fucking recipe, and that's what these coos and shit. Like it's all the same game every time. Yeah, it absolutely is. I
0: think that all the time, too, how it's funny that a lot of people compare Trump to Reagan. People who like Trump, they're like, he's the next Ronald no, Reagan. And I'm like, bro, no. the Nixon. only...
1: They the, compare him to Nixon. No, you haven't heard that?
0: I've heard so many people say that they love Trump because he's just like Reagan. And I'm like, the only two things that those people have in common is one, they were both, you know, like, celebrity actors before they took Well, in that regard, card. yeah. And secondly, yeah, they were both up to schemey shit to get into office. Like, I, I would agree with that. Like... <laughs> But anyway, okay. So next time we will definitely cover the following few years of Iran Contra,
1: the testimony. Yeah, the testimony. But that's well for explosive this episode. testimony that changed nothing. <laughs> that changed nothing. <laughs> which is exactly
0: what happened with the. I just had somebody ask me that the other day because I was we were. I watched the Comey rule on Netflix, which by the way, if you haven't seen it. It's worth watching if you like documentaries and dramatized documentaries because obviously this is a drama. It's based on real events. But like do they make James Comey out to be this like dude who if he could get on his hands and knees and suck Uncle Sam's dick, he would Mm -hmm. loyally. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't really know how much of that is an accurate portrayal of the type of man he is. Mm -hmm. It seems like from some of the positions that he's been in um, that maybe that is true that he really was true and loyal and just wanted to do the right thing. And I don't hate James Comey for the shit that he did about investigating Hillary Clinton. I feel like if if it's true then the information should be out there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter when you release it like mm-hmm. but the fact that he kept the Hillary email thing under wraps while they were at, or they exploited that on the media but then kept the Russia thing under wraps makes him look bad. It makes him look yeah. bad. I can see why people think yeah. that. But um it was a really good it was a really good watch. Um but anyway, it made me think of that because uh Again, like you said, nothing happened with the Iran-Contra testimonies. Similarly, of how nothing really happened after um, the whole Russia investigation thing. I mean, there was like a lot of legitimate evidence that was found. Well, I mean, found. some people
1: got convicted. There and, were a lot and, of people. Well, when someone asked me that, like, how, that
0: how did Trump manage to be, um, what's the word?
1: How he was, did he escape justice? No, he,
0: not that he, he, didn't, he didn't have to step down, but he was uh, impeached. Oh, so okay. like, how how why why did he still get to pre- be president after he was impeached? So I was explaining like how uh,
1: well because the just Senate, because you're impeached, it, the Senate's corrupt. So the Senate, uh, um, the Senate run by Mitch McConnell, basically was a fixed jury. They already said before they heard a word right. of evidence they were going to acquit him. So right. it was the, the fix was in.
0: But yeah, your comment about the trials that changed nothing—right, same situation there. But if the it reminded me, if you haven't seen the Comey rule, it's a it's a good watch, and it puts a lot of uh, like I said, I'm a good visual learner, and there's a there was a lot of people involved in that shit too, so it was it was interesting, it was a good watch. But that's all I have for this episode.
1: All right, that's all I get too. All
0: right, well, this is Juke signing off. And this is Mick signing off.